Hi, welcome to our podcast. Uh, my name is Winston Smith. I'm a faculty member and counselor here at the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. And I'm joined by my co-host Miriam Herzog. And our special guest today is Bill Smith, or Dr. William P. Smith, who is a pastor and a director of the Community Counseling Center at Chelton Baptist Church and the author of several books. Um, his first book is called Caught Off Guard, Encounters with the Unexpected God, uh, and his most recent book, the book that I like to talk about today, is Loving Well, Even If You Haven't Been. So, Bill, welcome. Thank you. Great to have come. Time to talk. It's great to have you here. Most people might not know that we were actually blessed to have you here at the CCEF for quite a while. It was a really, really good experience for those years. Yeah, it's great to ha- it's great to have you back. We were walking around the building when uh, Bill just got here and. I said, it must be quite a thing to be able to walk around this building and just enjoy the building without having any of the associated stress <laughs> of ministry. Yes. So, Bill, let's let's jump in and talk about your book. I really, really uh, like the book. Um, I just think it's so incredibly uh, practical and, and clearly biblical and theological. Mm. Um, Thank you. So I'd love to hear uh, how you got the idea for the book, and I'm especially interested in how you arrived at that title. I was thinking a lot about relationships, uh, being more in the church setting and thinking about the need for people to be connected during the week and realized that Jesus never com- commands us to do something that he's not already given a ta- us a taste of. Mm-hmm. So he never tells me, just forgive other people in hopes that somehow I'm going to figure out how to do that without having first given me an experience of what that really is to be forgiven, to mm-hmm. have a relationship that doesn't depend on what I've done or haven't done in the past, mm-hmm. but uh, where, where he wipes the slate clean for the sake of connecting with him. Mm-hmm. And then he turns around and says, now I want you to give that experience to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and started to go through the scriptures just asking, what does love look like in the present? I think so often we look at Jesus and we think, wow, what a, what a really cool example and a great person who lived all these years ago. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus healed people and cared for him. Now you go care for him. Instead of recognizing, no, Jesus cares for me now. Mm-hmm. He's in heaven praying for me now. His mercies to me are new every morning now. And, and it's out of that, the fullness of that experience that I've actually got the best relationship I'm ever going to have. And I have untold resources that I can give away to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There really is a difference between thinking about Jesus or or learning about Jesus and actually relating to him. Yes. Yes. And if I think even in the counseling realm, I I think we, we were really good at telling people, here's what you need to do in order to work things out in your life. And then realized, wow, we didn't give anybody any power. So we said, you have to depend on Jesus in order to have the power to do the things that we told you to do. But I'm not sure that we have been that good at helping people understand Jesus is empowering you today. Mm-hmm. It's not just the stuff that he did 2,000 years ago, mm-hmm. but it's it's today. And that's mm-hmm. what I try to do. Let's, let's look at some of the ways that God actually engages me today yeah. so that I can know what that looks like with my family. Yeah, I, I think that's such an important um, distinction to make. And I love that you make it right up front and it's hinted at in the title because I really think that sometimes what we offer people in biblical counseling without meaning to yes. is really kind of like a first century cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, it's exactly right. Slotting Jesus thoughts and philosophy into your brain and then sending people out to, to try to, to live that way. 
And I would be one of the first people who's guilty of that. Mm -hmm. You know, very good at parsing all the theological vocabulary. Here's mm -hmm. the indicative. Now you get the imperative out of that. Yeah. Without realizing, no, the indicative is present tense. Yeah. Not simply past historical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. One one of the first things in the first section of your book, and by the way, in in Bill's book, for those who haven't had a chance to read it, he he kind of gives us 15 different aspects. Uh, to love, to look at, and those are kind of uh, sectioned off into three sections. Um, but in this first section, one of the things that you talk about, Bill, is about suffering and how we can move towards sufferer and I, sufferers. And I see so much suffering on the news, like the Sandy Hook shootings, mm. the bombing at the Boston Marathon. Yeah. And and in the face of some of this um, this horrific evil and suffering, it's it silences you. You feel mm -hmm. impotent to respond. I thought you had some really important things to share about how to move towards sufferers in your book. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, and I think what, what is actually gripping in those stories, because there is that horror that isolates and that pushes us back and, and sort of repels us and overwhelms us. We're not even sure how to respond in those moments. And yet what captures us are the people who are running to help, mm -hmm. which is a dim reflection <clears throat> of our God. Yeah recognizing that he's also the one who runs to sufferers. And I'm just very impressed with Isaiah 53 that talks about how Jesus carried our sins and our sorrows. Mm. Didn't simply on the cross uh, embrace the punishment for our sin, but also embrace, embrace the consequences of us sinning mm. and carried that. And Isaiah talks about him as despised and rejected, and you can see that throughout his life. Not a man that you know had a good time here on earth. Yeah. And yet he's not paralyzed by that. Mm. He's moving toward people. He's moving toward the lepers, the paralytics, the people who are blind. He's moving toward the hungry and the, the homeless and those whose minds have been distorted uh, with mm -hmm. what they grew up with. And he's, he embraces them. Mm -hmm. And you realize that that's the character of our God. He, he longs to be with people when they're going through mm. miserable times. He moves toward the hurt. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I think some, we, we can forget that. We talk about how one day Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eyes and think, well, that's good then. <laughs> one day. One day. But I'm hopefully a couple decades away from one day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. that's, yeah. that's hard. Yeah. But if I have a God who sees my, mm -hmm. my struggles and is moved with compassion to enter into them, that's a very different experience. Mm -hmm. I particularly appreciate what you said about Jesus' honesty with his disciples, mm. his forthright mm -hmm. you know showing of his emotions and the struggles that he had and i think we mm -hmm. don't think about that very often that jesus himself as the sufferer was willing to be vulnerable with a bunch of <laughs> kind of yeah. not so great guys who were nothing special really mm -hmm. you know that the, mm -hmm. this troop that he had gathered who often didn't appreciate him and didn't yeah. love him and didn't even know how to empathize with his own suffering and yet jesus puts it there yeah. for him yeah you yeah. know there was a group of really clumsy guys, yeah. <laughs> which actually gives me a lot of hope, because right. I tend to be fairly clumsy in my relationships, yeah. uh, and to see that that doesn't end a relationship mm -hmm. with God, does not need to end a relationship with people, very helpful. Mm -hmm. And you think about Jesus on, on, when he's facing the very worst moment of his life, he's about to go be crucified, understands better than any of us what separation from God actually feels like. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not just going to describe it theologically, but is is processing it through anguish and sweating and, mm -hmm. and all the rest of the that. experience of it. Yeah. The experience of it. And you realize he needs to go away to be with the Father, has to go pray. And yet we're told that he singles out three guys to go with him. Mm -hmm. And you think, 
that's a bizarre thing for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get why you would want to go be with God. That makes sense. But it's not enough. I mean, it almost yeah. sounds blasphemous to say it that way. It's not mm-hmm. enough for him to go mm-hmm. be with God. He also wants his guys to go be with him. Mm-hmm. And there's something very special now about God, who's now mm-hmm. divine and human forever, mm-hmm. wanting both communities mm-hmm. yeah. in mm-hmm. the moment of his suffering. The horizontal and the vertical. And mm-hmm. the vertical. Mm-hmm. One doesn't exclude the other. No, and it's a necessity of bringing the two of them together. Mm-hmm. It, it, we've, we've heard, we've lived, we've probably taught a number of us that what you really need is to be with God. When you're suffering, you need to have the com- God comfort you. And Jesus says, yes, I need that. Mm-hmm. And I want something else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you think, mm-hmm. well, that, wow, okay, that changes the way that I think about mm-hmm. suffering and sufferers. God mm-hmm. in his people. Yes. Uh, in yes. the community. The images of God communicating the attributes of God in the present moment. Mm-hmm. So... Um, how do we apply that as biblical counselors to the sufferers that we're trying to move towards? Recognizing, I think, that there's a, a huge place just for being with people. I think as counselors, we often think of, I have to accomplish something. I have to be <laughs> able to fill out my paperwork, and I have to say, here's the three things mm-hmm. we talked about, here's the mm-hmm. goals. Mm-hmm. That's important. I'm not downplaying that. But there are these other times where simply being with people is an end, is pragmatic Mm -hmm. in and of itself. Weeping with those who weep Mm -hmm. is part of what we're called to. And incredibly practical. Incredibly Mm -hmm. practical, (laughs) even though it doesn't feel like we've accomplished anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But what we've accomplished is we've been with each other, and you know that, and I know that, and there's a a bond that's connected between us Mm -hmm. uh, that actually lightens your load. Yeah. Think about a time last, a couple weeks ago, my senior pastor and I... um, we're connecting with a couple in our church who uh, going through the discovery of cancer and just overwhelmed and there's a million different uh, solutions and therapies and roads and mm-hmm. we hung out with them one night for two and a half hours wow and they changed all the decisions that we made in that moment a couple of days later mm-hmm. uh, which was fine because I got new information mm-hmm. and and my lead pastor and I looked at each other and said what was really important about that time is that we spent it with them Mm-hmm. that they knew that we were willing to drop everything just to be with them, that they count, that they're important, and that they're not alone in this because we're in it with them. Mm-hmm. So you didn't show up and lecture them on how to connect with God in that moment? or Didn't have any of that in my mind. No. Did, did not have my, which is unusual, did not have my pad of paper with all of the different things. Give them homework to, try, to no, do? Or, I, we, we didn't. Uh, huh. Which, which was the same experience because I had went to visit them in the hospital a couple of days earlier when they'd first mm-hmm. gotten the news. And also at that point, I thought, I, I have no idea what to say. You know, what do you say to somebody who's just, I, I don't know what this is going to look like. And so we just went together. And I, I said, tell me what's going on. Mm-hmm. Let, let me hear your story. Let me give you an opportunity just to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, so they talked. And we... We sort of teased some things out of that, and we cried together. We laughed together. I poked some fun at him because uh, that sort of helped mm-hmm. jolly him up in the mm-hmm. moment and communicate that, that there is a, a bigger reality. And mm-hmm. then yeah. we did talk about some of their questions yeah, and gave some, okay, here's the next step. We don't know what the next 14 look like, but the next yeah. one seemed pretty mm-hmm. clear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very powerful. Bill, you don't have to talk about this one if you don't want to, but um, I just thought you... You, you looked at Jesus uh, and the foot washing, mm. 
And not off the top of my head, I can't remember what section of the book that is. Maybe that's in the second section? I believe in the second. Yeah, about moving toward people. Um, so can you just tell us a little bit about the way you were thinking about Jesus washing the disciples' feet and how it relates to our service to others? Yeah, I think in, in some of our traditions, foot washing has become a, almost a sacrament mm-hmm. uh, or at least a religious, ta- a religious, what's the word? Symbol. Symbol, Symbol thank you. Yeah. Uh, when what it really was was simply a necessity. So Jesus looks around and sees something that needs to be done for other mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And out of all those guys, he's the only one who gets, yeah, it's a need and therefore I step in and take care of it. Mm-hmm. And he uses it as an illustration, as a teaching tool after the fact but in the moment, it's, this is what needs to be done, guys. And because mm-hmm. this is what needs to be done, I'm here not to be served, but to serve. And you, you point out in the book, I think, in a very helpful way, is that, you know, we live in a culture, we don't do foot washing because mm-hmm. we wear shoes. Right. And we don't walk through manure-strewn streets and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. our feet, you know, uh, aren't so dirty that they need to be washed every time we come in the house. But there's this practical reality that feet needed to be washed, mm-hmm. and that's the, mm-hmm. that was the, to be the job of a servant, somebody at the bottom of the, the scale. And so Jesus sees this need and that other people probably saw, but no one wanted to do. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, and I was just thinking about that's so practical but so deep. And, uh, and so I, I started thinking like, and again, I'm thinking, I'm thinking counseling, not just life in general, but... What does it mean to wash the feet of of our counselees, you know? I think it means that I learn to ask, what do you need, as opposed to what do I want? Hmm. I might want a successful counseling session. I might (laughs) want you to feel a certain way. I might want this to actually make X, Y, and Z changes in your life. And those might be appropriate and helpful and good. But I can't get there by considering what I want before I consider what is it that you need. And then I bend myself around whatever that need is. Mm-hmm. I think about it, and I, I went home one day a number of years ago feeling very schizophrenic because I watched myself become different types of personas with the people that I was with. Mm-hmm. I was this sort of irritating, sarcastic person as I'm working with an 18-year-old who <laughs> thought far too well of himself. And so I'm needling him and poking holes in everything. Mm-hmm. That is not the way that I treated the people in their 60s a couple hours later. And I started to wonder, am I just a chameleon? <laughs> am I just mm-hmm. sort of being, you know, saying whatever people want to hear? And I thought, no, this is what Paul means when he says, I become all things to all people. Mm-hmm. I reach you where you are, even if that's an uncomfortable mood for me, because mm. in the moment, that's what you need. Mm. And therefore, I give you what you need. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the, um, the need of the moment is, is more obvious than maybe we think, mm. you know, relating back to the suffering thing. Like, what's the first thing the sufferer needs when you're sitting with him? To be heard. Mm-hmm. Probably not a fully ex- exposited uh, understanding of the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Bill, let me ask you one, uh, one final question. Uh, you, you talk in your book about the importance of encouragement. Hmm. And uh, I guess one of the reasons that stood out to me is because um, I think encouragement is really important, but sometimes counseling can actually teach us to look for problems. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about what you, what you mean by encouragement? 
I think actually I learned that from you, frankly. <laughs> oh, uh, if I, I'm so glad I asked that. <laughs> if I remember correctly, and that is the the reality that all of the things you and I wrestle with have a shelf life. They're all going to expire. Mm. 70, 80 years from now, I am not wrestling with my temptations to gossip, manipulate, and, and uh, sneak around. 80 years from now, the only thing that's going to be left in me is glory. Therefore, I can spend my time either poking at all the sin that I see, mm. or I can spend my time reaffirming the positive stuff that's going to last for billions and billions of years. Mm. And if I've got my choice, I'd rather put my time in there. Yeah. And encourage here's where i see the spirit of god moving in you mm -hmm. yeah. did you notice this this was really cool yeah. i i'm so proud of you yeah. because i just saw you step up and be courageous in a moment where that would have been really hard yeah. and because i see that i see the spirit of god alive and active and in that sense really encourage the stir the person on to continue what they're mm -hmm. already doing yeah and uh, as you're talking, it just strikes me, you know, and if God isn't active and present in this person's life, on what basis are we going to talk about their problems anyway? Yes. Right. That would yes. just be an exercise in hopelessness and futility. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Um, and which gets us back to that idea of, of experiencing, knowing Christ mm -hmm. personally, not just knowing, uh, knowing about Him. I think it all flows out of what God do I worship? Mm. Do I have a God who is most interested in pointing out all of my sins? Mm. Or do I have a God who's most interested in seeing me become the glorious person that he has always considered me to be mm -hmm. from before time began? Mm -hmm. He's already paid for everything I've done wrong. He's far more interested in where we're going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if that's the God that I worship, that's the kind of person I become in my mm -hmm. relationships as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very helpful. Bill, thank you for your book. Um, and sharing with us the things that the Lord has been sharing with you. And thanks for coming in here to talk to us today. Thank you. It's my privilege. Great.